This will be the first uh, episode of the Get Punk Podcast, which uh, for those of you that are listening to this, um, my name is Mark Lind and I run Stateline Records and Get Punk. And this is Trev Allen, who is uh, the producer and the talent in the Get Punk Podcast. Um, that, I'll take producer. <laughs> um, if people heard the outtakes of the stuff that we've trashed, they would understand that you are the talent in this. So they're just going to take my word for it. All right, all right. Um, you you know how to talk to a microphone and uh, you do it well. But um, so we're going to try this. I don't know how often it will be, um, but we're just going to see if people dig it. It's just something to supplement and uh, just another medium for people to check out uh, where we talk about bands. Um, you'll hear a little bit in a few minutes about Michael King in the morning afters. Uh, in their new album. And then um, we're going to do some games at the end, which was kind of friggin' funny. Trev made this uh, punk rock Jeopardy. We'll do more of that, I hope, in the future because I had a real good time doing that. Um, and we'll see if people like it. If they do, then maybe we'll do another episode. And if they don't, then we tried. For sure. And- yeah. Yeah. So I think for right now, we're looking at probably a monthly podcast, right? And uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be, this is the first episode's going to be a, probably a lot longer than the rest. Um, we're going to have a little news feed with Chris Chavez from, uh, BICPB radio. Is that, I think that's, I, I might've screwed that up anyway, Chris Chavez, he's the producer of the, the struggling artist podcast, which is where I'm from. He will be, uh, he, he's going to be doing our news feed reads for us. Cause, uh, he can talk and describe things like no one else can. I call him the Henry Miller of like music genres because he could just bust out like like just how a, how a song makes him feel with like three hundred pages, so <laughs> like a dissertation, a verbal dissertation, right then and there. Yeah, I like having more people involved because um, that's really the whole point of like the state line and get punk thing. Like, I mean, obviously, any store wants to have more people involved, right, uh, as buyers. But I mean, it, it it did start as like a record label to promote bands and stuff so if if this also i mean if people hear this because they they know the website or they know the label and then they if they live under a rock and don't know about the struggling artist podcast well now they do and now they know about chris and then they're going to hear about um danny carney uh, later on you know yeah, so yeah. This, this just it's just sort of like a way to um hopefully share you know it's like it's like communism you know, <laughs> share the wealth. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And uh, like I said, like you know, we're gonna we're gonna start this. We're gonna kick this off. You're gonna you're gonna about it'll probably be about four weeks be- between episodes. Um, and, and we're gonna see where it goes. And if it's uh, and if it's something that that the listeners like, you know, let us know. You can um, you know, just reach out reach out on social media or whatever, and let us know what you think of it. And uh, we'll keep it going. I think. Yeah. I, I think one thing people ought to understand uh, in this segment before we kind of go to the Mike Kane one uh, portion is that I don't fucking know shit about podcasts. Um, I'm strictly a listen to music guy at home. And uh, so I don't know 
how other people do things. So we kind of laid this out almost like a nightly news type of thing. Like it had segments and that might, I don't know if that's going to be different than what other people do or if it's something other people do, but maybe not as much, but that's why you're hearing it the way it is. And it's not just going to be us. Yeah. It's not going to be yeah. one. It's not a one shot kind of thing. Uh, we'll have a news. Like I said, we'll have a news read. We're going to, we'll have like a review or, or, a, or interview. Um, and then like Mark said, we'll be having some fun towards the end of the podcast, whether it be uh, some kind of jeopardy or trivia or, or whatever. And we're also open to ideas. So if anybody hears this and thinks of something that might be hysterical or something they might like to hear, by all means, tell us about it because we're listening. Yeah. All right. Let's get this episode kicked off uh, with Chris Chavez and the GetPunk.com news. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Chris Chavez, and I'm here with your Get Punk podcast news. The first leg of the Flogging Molly Interrupters Tour wrapped up on July 3rd in Asbury Park, New Jersey. The West Coast leg of the tour picks up on September 9th in Denver, Colorado. Now, the Interrupters will release their fourth studio album titled In the Wild on August 5th via Hellcat and Epitaph, making the September leg of the tour all the more attractive to West Coast ticket buyers. Now, In the Wild will be available on indie color vinyl on GetPunk.com. There are currently no pre-sales being offered due to the erratic nature of vinyl availability. Speaking of tours, Michael Caine and the Morning Afters are booking their first East Coast tour now for a string of fall dates. The Morning Afters are taking the full DIY approach, so if you're interested in having them come to your town, reach out to the band via their social media platforms. Michael Caine and the Morning Afters released Broke But Not Broken on Stateline Records in April. It's available on CD, LP, and cassette in addition to the usual digital channels. In other news, Dropkick Murphys have announced a full-length collaboration with the Woody Guthrie Estate for release this fall. Their first single, Two Sixes Upside Down, is out on streaming and digital platforms now. The LP is currently available exclusively through the band's website. This is an acoustic or semi-acoustic album and is the first album since 1999 not to feature lead singer Al Barr, who is presently on a leave of absence from the band to tend to family matters. Ken Casey handles all lead vocals on this album. Speaking of new music, Avail frontman Tim Barry has announced the release of his next solo album for an August release on Chunksaw Records. Avail recently wrapped dates on the Frank Turner Bronx Tour and will be hosting the Over the James Festival in Richmond in August. Avail reunited at some point shortly before the pandemic to the delight of punk fans everywhere, but they have yet to perform a single song from their Fat Wreck releases since reuniting. Finally, DyingScene.com is being revived. The popular punk news site saw the lights go out abruptly several years ago. Their Instagram account, however, remained active, but the site is finally coming back. In fact, it may be back in service by the time you hear this, so be sure to check out the site for more punk news. And now it's time for the Get Punk Record Club review. July saw the arrival of Throwing a Pit to Nothing by All Depends, a three-piece hailing from Dundee, Scotland. The band consists of Nicky Illick on lead vocals and banjo, John Lilly on bass, and Hooligan Sadikson on drums, percussions, and backing vocals. Right from the get-go, the album launches into a furious, punk-infused bluegrass hoedown. Politically and socially charged lyrics bark along to rapid-fire banjo picking and strumming, spastic rubber band bass lines dance in and out of crisp rhythmic drumming, and song after song, your senses are assaulted with genre-bending arrangements and movement-inducing grooves. This band combines all the energy and fire of street punk with the grit and grime of blue-collar oi, adding a taste of country folk punk. I'm telling you right now, it's impossible to sit still listening to Throwing a Pit to Nothing. 
All Deep Ends knocks it out of the park on this album. And as if the music wasn't enough, each of the 300 vinyl pressings are unique in that the artwork adorning the plastic sleeves is all done by hand and features different designs and numbering, so no two vinyl are the same. If you weren't lucky enough to join the record club in time to get this album, you can head over to GetPunk.com now to grab your copy while supplies last. And while you're at it, make sure to join the Get Punk record club so you don't miss out on any more killer vinyl, handpicked and curated to ensure you're getting your money's worth. Once again, I'm Chris Chavez, and that has been your Get Punk Podcast News. Now, back to the show. Mark, what have you been listening to recently? Because for you to like be like, oh, I've been listening to some new bands. I want, I'm like, yes, I want to hear what they are. Because I'm always like, well, hey, have you heard of this band? Have you heard of that band? You know? I wouldn't. So I wouldn't say that the new bands. They're more like new releases by bands that I'm sure you are. You know. Oh, okay. Is this, is this thing rolling now? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. So um. So I've been hitting the track every day and walking for four miles at least, which is 16 laps around the track. That's awesome. Yeah. Each, each lap is four minutes, right? This has a point. There's a reason I'm telling you that. Usually I can get one ACDC song per lap. So I listen to 16 ACDC songs. You're, and you're not walking. Up. You're like fucking running. No, I'm walking. But um, the, the Lind way is to walk wicked fast, like okay. to the point where you're like you're nearly running. So there's people that are jogging that I'm, I'm passing yeah. as I'm just walking. All right. All right. But um, so I decided to dispense with the ACDC today, and I was like, I'm gonna put Spotify on because instead of using my iPod, I'll just uh, connect to Spotify and listen to what they got on there. I really want to hear the new Bishop's Green, mm. um, and so that that's one that I put on, and then I put on the um, the latest by the Drowns, which I really haven't had a chance to hear, um, despite the fact that I got it in the mail and stuff. Yeah. Like it's just uh, I just haven't had the time to listen to it because I've had like so much shit going on here. Yeah. But, and then um, the new Interrupters. Uh, and the new hot water music, just a little bit of new hot water music. But the, you know, the the new drowns reminds me of the Hudson Falcons, which is a compliment because I think the Hudson Falcons are like one of the best rock and roll bands to come out of the punk rock world in the past thirty years. And um, so that's that's a big thumbs up there for them. Um, the Interrupters, we know who that you know everybody knows who they are. We know what they're capable of. You know, I heard the the three new songs kind of trickled out as they do with new songs. Um, I didn't really care for them individually as they came out, but today I listened to them as a trio, and I was like, oh, "This fucking band gets me every time." They, See, they're just too good. It's weird, right? How like you can hear like like the way something is, the the way something like the track order is something it will, it will like kind of tell a tell a, a, a tale together. You know what I mean? Yeah, the way things presented are always going to um, have like an impact, and that really that plays into that hot water music one because. They staggered that album out. They put it out digitally because of the great vinyl famine. They didn't put the record out until like a few months later. So I just kind of dismissed it. And like, I'm a guy that runs a record label, and I can't, I can't uh, separate myself from a marketing plan to to listen to a band that I like. Um, but it's true. I like it because it did not come out at the same time, and the record wasn't brand new. I didn't put it on, so I didn't listen to it. Um, but I think the big winner of those is the Bishop's Green. Um, their songs are way longer than they need to be. Um, they're like four minutes, they average four minutes and 20 seconds each. So I was making a lap on yeah, every, every song. I mean, well, a, I mean, more than a lap right, on every right, song, yeah. but um, so their songs I think are way longer than they need to be. But there's something so awesome about that band, they, they nailed this like 80s British oi thing. It has something to do with the way they record the guitars and the way the singer doubles his vocals, but it reminds me of like blitz early business they just really get it authentically i think they can bring it down to like three minutes a song mm -hmm. 
but I mean, that's just like nitpicking, you know, they're, they're great bands. Um, I, I always but, say, I always say this, like having a, like an older sound, like when, when people are like, Oh, there's no good new music out there or there's no, you know, there's nothing. It's only the classics are, are, are good. Like you can find something that sounds like that, you know, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's something like 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 the scoffs, like I was saying, like it's it's somewhere between like Slade and, and Thin Lizzy, you know what I mean, or or something like where Bishop Green, like they're sounding like an eighty, like a, like a, like a, an earlier punk, you know, era. Like it, you just gotta look for it, man. Right? I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. The, it really the sound says a lot about leave. the speaker and, and comfort. I understand, like there's a there's a there's a there's a level of like comfortableness with it right and people like their comfort music and that's great but like don't say there's no good music out anymore when there is you know what i mean without looking properly yeah you gotta look for it there's no good music on the charts you know there's no rock bands on the charts anymore but uh you know there's a couple of things you you just said there that i gotta make comment on i got on i went to see billy joel and Elton john play years ago like probably 12 years ago whatever i took a bus there and i got back on the bus and i was the first person back and the bus driver said like, hey, did you have a good time? And I was like, yeah, they were pretty good. And he, he said to me, well, music's all about memories. Did it bring back memories? And I, I was like, well, I guess. And then I sat, went and sat in my seat and I was like, holy fuck, this guy is as right as can be. It is about memories. People only care about the old stuff for bands because it's associated with memories in their head. Right. So he really hit on something there. And people that say that there's nothing good out there nowadays are – they're not in the place, they're not in the headspace to be looking for something new. And people, you know, especially people in their 30s, because they're always the ones that are saying that shit, right? Whatever, uh, whatever era we or whatever d- decade we're in, it's always the people in their 30s, right? It is because they think they know what the fuck they're talking about. And yeah. I, I know this because in my 30s, I said that stupid shit too. <laughs> but it, you know, now that like I'm older, now I know that it would, when I would shit on a band or whatever, be like they changed or they, they're not good anymore. It, it wasn't that. It was that I wasn't in the headspace to be hearing the bouncing souls or whatever it was at that time. Yeah. And now that I'm older, I listen to it with like an open mind again. And yeah, like I'll sit here and be like Bishop's Green songs along, but that that doesn't mean anything. That's just that's a nitpicking thing. They're still fucking awesome, you know. Yeah. And now I'm in the headspace with where I'll be willing to listen to something openly, and um. Like at home, all they listen to is Motown yeah. or like oldies. Um, I have, I mean, I'm just not in the punk rock place right now, like I was like two years ago. But um, that doesn't mean that you have to close everything up, right? Yeah, and that's what a lot of people do. But I, I bet you nine out of ten times it's somebody in their fucking 30s that's saying much shit. Man. Oh, probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or older, I guess, even older. Like, the, you know, oh, you're gonna, yeah, you're right. When you get somebody, I, like I feel like off. once you hit 50, you can't like new music anymore. At least that's what I've seen in life, you know. Uh, two things one, it, leave it to Mark Lynn to get on a bus with some like f- philosophical fucking bus driver. <laughs> Dude, he blew my mind. I could. I, I wanted to be like, are you the fucking bus driver or the the resident philosopher? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And and two, like, like, and you're right. Like, it's 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 about memories, and and uh, it, it it and and there is there's a lot of music like that, and, and it's it's also like connecting with music too, right? So I was an off with their heads fan for a long time, but I didn't really like get into like how much I enjoy their music until. I was in the headspace for them. Like, 
I'm sorry to hear you yeah, in that headspace. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and to be like, and to be in in that headspace, you got to be going through some shit, right? Yeah. So it took that, and like, because like I said, it was always something like, yeah, I like them; they're good. I, I, I mean, Christ, I had you know, I had gotten an album from the record club. Um, I had, apparently I had even seen them in 2012, and I don't even remember seeing them. Like, and then I'd hear them on on like the the satellite radio you know and so i knew their music and then like i just then one day it just like i was just going through some shit and 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 i and i heard it and i was like oh man this is this is like really really where i'm at and i just kept (laughs) he's a genius man and he's so humble about it like so i had the same story i bought um in desolation when it first came out i probably listened to it a couple of times and then forgot about it but when the hard times came a knocking, man, nobody is better for lyrics than Ryan Young. Yeah. And like, if you talk to that dude and you tell him, like, you wrote the best fucking lyrics, he'll, oh, just, he'll just brush you off and be like, oh, I, I do it. Yeah, he hates it. He's like, I, I just do my best, man. I'm like, I want to be like, no, you don't understand. You're a fucking Paul Westerberg, a Bob Dylan for the depressed. Like, you're yeah. you're the fucking torchbearer, man. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, he just is too humble to hear he that really, shit. He really does. Like, I, I've listened to him on his podcast and he, he like, just ah, he gets all you know like <laughs> he gets like how you get when people start talking to you about your music well that's because people shouldn't talk to me about that <laughs> shit they should talk to ryan young about that shit he's the fucking he's brilliant man. anyway yeah so i so it's just weird how music will do that right and and it will go through the like these generations and, and i mean look what's going on right now with that fucking kate bush song uh, what is going on i know nothing about it all right so uh, Kate Bush had a song running up, running up the hill or something like that. Who the fuck is Kate Bush? She was like an eighties. <sighs> so I asked my mom, my mom was big into like eighties, like freestyle music, like Lisa, Lisa, Shannon, like that kind of thing. And she was like, nah, I didn't really like Kate Bush. So I think she kind of was like, she kind of was all over the place. Right. So in the spirit of like what the cars did, but the cars did it well, where they kind of adapted to each like generation Lots of music. Of cars, yeah. <laughs> like where they had kind of adapted. She, I, I feel like, so, cause I've listened to a hand. Well, I, I'm not a Kate Bush, like aficionado, but I listened to a handful of stuff and she definitely has like different sounds through different times. And that was kind of like a, like a, like a synth eighties, like freestyle kind of song that she did. And it was on stranger things. And now it's like a huge deal. Right. But you can kind of see things like not, uh, was it last year? Last year, um, I, I on SNL, uh, uh, David um, David Byrne was like the the mu- musical act. Yeah, and he, he did, did one of the um, he did one of the head talking heads songs, head songs awesome. and it blew the fuck up. Like it got like yeah. fucking millions of fucking downloads, like right after. As it, it was should. these. It's it's exposing a t- it's exposing music, older music to younger generations on a platform where they can connect. Right, so. Where Stranger Things it helps people like us connect to because of the nostalgia of the '80s vibe that it's got. Um, it's 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 also directed obviously at the younger the younger crowd, and now these these kids love the fucking song. Good. Um, it's not a bad song for like a synth like a synth pop fucking freestyle song. You know, it's, did she sing something with REM? I feel like I know her. Or B fifty two is some. I know her name from somewhere. Yeah, something. I I I like I said, I'm not too well versed in her music but uh, yeah, i'll look it up after we're done here but that's good that, yeah. that she i mean she's so she's got a hit again and i re- i saw that she owns all the publishing so she's making a fortune right that's now. awesome for her you know what yeah. I mean? it's, 
that's something you don't see a lot of um, from back then. So she's hitting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a week right now in her pocket. Shoo! I wish yeah. I, I wish I could make that in a year, <laughs> dude. You don't, you don't even need like I don't even need a, a if I was her, I wouldn't need a huge research. It's just give me five weeks, <laughs> five weeks of two hundred fifty thousand. She's gonna get it, and then she's got the second half of the season coming out, and like next week so i mean she's almost in every episode <laughs> that's really song. yeah that song yeah but basically awesome yeah so it's pretty- so she got paid by them too to get the song oh in the show. yeah yeah so she's getting royalties off of every next netflix view and everything else oh yeah that's that's good yeah so huh. pretty wild but anyway i digress that you're right that's it, 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 it it's all about like it's all about memories and when it hits you you know yeah so. I, I want to circle back real quick, though, to the interrupters. Yeah. We didn't really get the full thing in there. You know, I was way wrong about. So when they when their first few songs came out of this new record, I was just sort of like, man, it's not their best stuff. But I but I was still open minded because I knew that, you know, it's not like they haven't delivered for three albums in a row. You know, right, so right. They're totally going to. But um, uh, I was just sort of like dismissive of it. Like, oh, maybe maybe the playing to a different crowd that I don't understand. They are popular with the younger people. Um, but no, when I heard that, when I got to hear three songs together and I, it was just like, they're back and it's awesome. And I can't wait for the rest of the album. So, um, I mean, it's not like they need a, a big uh, endorsement from anybody because everyone loves the interrupters, but yeah. um, I just wanted to tell you, I was wrong about that shit, man. <laughs> the, yeah. This is fucking good. <laughs> we talk about music constantly. <laughs> We do. We talk about it a lot. So, well, tell us about some other bands. He's mentioned the Scoffs. What else you got going these days? Uh, let's see. I I was um, I'm trying to think now. You put me on the spot. Uh, you know what? Let me look at my band camp real quick. And uh, there's a um, there's a there's a folk punk band from um, out in Buffalo that I I kind of got into called the Cardboard Homestead. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. You know, I I'm kind of partial when it comes to that because. We had the old Edison here, mm-hmm. and, and I don't. To me, nothing will ever touch that. But these guys are really good, um, and, and a lot of my stuff is like is like local too, because I that's what I do with the other podcasts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Wired for Sound for, out of New Hampshire, they are a um, a grunge band that it, they they're fucking elite. Oh, you sent me something about that. Yeah. I listened to them. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were good. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to to. That's not an easy thing to replicate. It's not because because there was there were no defined rules of what was current. Yeah, it, and, was, and, it was whatever they called it. And like right off the rip, like that was their first EP. I think that I had sent to you. Like it was, yeah. yeah. They so. they nailed it. Whatever oh, whatever yeah. it is, they nailed it for sure. Uh, what else would I been? I don't know. Like um, oh man, the whiffs. Are you familiar with the whiffs? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one as a candidate for the record club for a year now. Oh really? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, you now you're beating me to everything. I, so there I was know. A, it's been a, there was yeah. a while there where I was sending stuff to you, and yeah. now it's like now you're ahead of it all. Yeah, and and I I got introduced to a bunch of bands over the weekend when I went to uh, that little oh, right. that little uh, house party with twelve bands. So I was gonna say it's like forty five bands played. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, let's see. Who, who did I really like? Like the, I mean, I've heard the bad ups before. It was cool to see them live. They're out of, uh, they're out of like, I think Philly. Philly. Yep. Yep. They're, yeah. They were really good to see live. Uh, the strangers out of Connecticut. Um, I don't know that. I mean, fucking kid. 
write write them down. Yeah. Uh, well, Kyle Kyle Trelaka is that his name? Kyle. I, I I'm I, Kyle. If you ever listen to this, I apologize if I got your name wrong. Uh, yeah, it was it's his band. He was like it was it was originally like him and then the Strangers, but then they just shortened it to the Strangers. Um, yeah, there was there was a bunch of bands. I mean, then then we then we got our hometown bands, right? Like Coffin Salesman was playing. So can I tell a story about this? Coffin yeah. Salesman is playing their set, and it's like they're the eleventh band, and it's like eleven thirty at night. Wait, who played last? Well, KCUF was supposed to play last, and they ended up doing an acoustic set instead because of oh, because the fuzz showed up, right? Yeah, so the police <laughs> showed up, and at first the cops, I think they were expecting a bunch of kids, and they saw nothing but like adults, <laughs> so they were like, "Oh, okay, we can kind of just talk to them." And as they were approaching, there's just like, uh, there's something about Arya Rad where he like becomes like possessed by something and he's while he's jamming out on a guitar and and performing and he happened and his whole band gets it too. It's crazy. And he turned around and I don't know if he saw them and did this or if he just turned around and just did this, but he decided to smash his face into the symbol of the drums. (laughs) And I think the police at that point were just like, can you just keep it down? Like, we're going to (laughs) leave. Just keep the psycho on stage away from us, man. (laughs) You know, so you got this dude wearing a suit and a fedora with glasses, and he just turned around and just smashes his face into a symbol. It was awesome. It was awesome. I couldn't have gone over well with the drummer, man. I used to hit the cymbals, Jay cymbals with a fist. Yeah. And he used to flip the fuck out. And be like, you got to break my fucking cymbals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, well, so uh, his drummer, his drummer is, is Ken Bousquet of, of KCUF. So I'm sure he expected something. <laughs> so, <laughs> that dude is a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's crazy, right? Because I'm just, I feel like we're so spoiled and we have been. In the in the in the New England area with music over the last I don't know at least thirty years. So yeah, it's weird times right now though. I mean, the music's great, but nobody's going to shows. I know it has a lot to do with the pandemic, but uh, New England is so bad right now that many managers and booking agents are just not sending their bands there. Yeah, yeah. because like Life of Agony got seventy five people at, the, at um, Brighton Music Hall. Seventy five people, wow. a band that would have got like six hundred people aren't on they, a normal time. Aren't they from? Like New Hampshire? They're from um, New York City. Oh, New York City. All right. Well, I mean, I think Amsterdam is where Mina lives now, but yeah. um, they're originally from New York, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's still like kind of, you know, it's weird circumstances. I've made it out to shows, and the bigger shows that I buy tickets for, sometimes I bail on it because I'm like, eh. Yeah. You know, Still contributed to the tour, though. Yeah, know? that's it. <laughs> you know, I don't expect my money back or anything like that. But then there's also some venues that are like, there's also like, I feel like Boston's always been like a, a crowd, like a crowd that shows up, not a crowd that pre-orders tickets. Is that accurate? A lot of walk-ups. Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask somebody like Josh Smith from Bowery. The, I thought they used to say that um, it, I thought the standard was like for every one pre-sale you'd get, you'd get two walk-ups. But I mean, that was when we were young. Yeah. And at this point, if I was to play a show, I'd be fucking lucky to get 30 people to show up because everybody's home with their walkers and their 35 kids, you know? <laughs> um, I think that has something to do. Like, I, I, I also think that having, you know, a lot of people have kids now. It's it's tougher to get out, you know, and and and, and like the young scene is still going to be the young scene. We're just not going to be involved yeah. with it. 
Yeah, I agree. It's like a weird like transition. I'm point. sure there's plenty of shows that we have no idea about that are going on. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. they're just the super young guys. And I'm completely fucking baffled as to how the trouble is. There was a low ticket alert for the Troubles reunion show coming up at the Middle East. They play the Middle East down 575 capacity and they're putting out um, notices saying low ticket alert. So it's probably 30 left. How the fuck did they do that? when they couldn't have drawn more than a hundred people when they were a band, yeah. but now they're going to sell that many tickets when their audience is 25 years older. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying this as a compliment to them. Right, right, right. Absolutely unbelievable that they pulled it off, um, but they pulled it off. Um, so I don't know. I can't think of other bands in our age group. They're totally like right in our age group, by the way, yeah. but um, I can't think of many others that could do that in a reunion show, you know, it's never going to be a case not the reunion without tour yeah. um you know maybe dark buster um the street dogs could do a show and pull that many people in but not during a pandemic yeah so the, the trouble doing that is just honestly it's just like people must really want to see them that they're buying tickets and like planning six months in advance to get a sitter so that they could go down and see the show because their audience is going to be 25 years older now they're all 45 years old you know? yeah yeah uh, it's just yeah it's, you're right there isn't there is something going on still i'm sure but it's not it's not with our group (laughs) (laughs) no because i I sit there i look at my friends i think like there's only like two or three of us that don't have kids (laughs) it's like you know everyone else got kids like ah, yeah it's it's strange it's strange i mean i wouldn't even i won't get the band back together because they all have kids yeah and and like i feel like i'm fucking intruding on their lives so i'm just gonna leave it until one of them wants to do it yeah yeah hey trev Yes. Want to hear about Michael Caine in the morning afters now? I do. All right. Fire away, Mike. Take it away. It was funny. I was going through an old computer the other day, and I found a studio recording of a band I was in in 1999. I found like eight songs, and it's just like a pop punk band uh, that I was in with my cousin Jeff. And um, we did that for a little bit, and it was really fun. And then... um, you know, I had a son in 96. So, you know, I started, you know, we did the band through 99, 2000, 2001. And then like, I sort of, I just stopped, you know, because like you're an adult, you have a, you have a son, you can't really do any touring, at least responsibly at that age. You need to like sort of be around, you know, and rightly so. And that's how I felt. Um, and then about, man, about eight or nine years ago, my cousin Jeff died pretty suddenly. And, uh, and after that, I was just like, well, there goes that. Cause he was in every band I've really ever been in really. So after he passed away, there was really just like, it was so weird. It was like something you really love doing, like really like put a bad taste in your mouth because that person wasn't there doing it with you. And it was really weird. Um, but then nature takes its course. You keep writing because that's what writers do. You just keep writing. And, um, you know, then you meet people and you play shows and yeah. And then, uh, and then it, and then it just magically happens. Is it all right on the radio tonight? I was shush, 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 shaking and you I think I'm all right Driving down to the shore on a whim Just to fix things right 
shut out the lights, kid, shut out the lights. Shut out the lights, kid, shut out the lights. I was b b breaking, but you know I still try. We had separation Sundays with 20,000 streets singing all under the sky. Driving down to the shore on a whim just to fix things right. Shut out the lights, kid, shut out the lights. Shut out the lights, kid, shut out the lights. Feel like this could be the best thing that we'd ever seen. Your red stick is in the cold and the horns are coming through the screen. As the blindly blind to play, it's the same song a different way. Everyone's waiting while the old ones are fed in a way. Ba 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 Morning After started in 2016. I met Franklin. The funny thing is, he was repairing my cousin Jeff's old Gibson SG. Jeff had passed away, and I brought the guitar to him to fix it. So it's weird how things like that work. People were saying, like, oh, this Franklin guy, he'll fix your guitar up. And he did. He fixed it, and I mailed it back to my other cousin, Kevin, and then we just began talking. He was in a small cover band at the time, and he was playing a show in Worcester, and he was like, hey, you want to open that show that we're playing? So I did, and then we just kind of kept in touch, and he said, hey, if you ever want to like do a band with these songs that you have, like I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it with you. So I was like, all right. Uh, we got him. We got a couple other friends at the time that sort of just hopped on, and, and we just kind of went at it, and the plan was to really just um, you know, do an EP, uh, do a homemade EP and get it out and maybe play a show with these guys. And like, that was kind of it. And then sort of the itch started and we just went into the studio more. We released the seven inch um, lineups changed a little bit. And then, yeah, now it's a thing where like, we're still at it and uh, time flies really. Yeah. I mean, starting it when I did, it's very interesting because I feel like I got to do a lot of homework leading up to it got to be able to sort of put this together in a way that sounded good to me. Um, that being said, do I not regret like having this band in the late nineties, early two thousands? Absolutely. I think it's fair to say that, um, the roots from the band is, you know, there's definitely punk rock roots there. I know we like to wave a flag of like, you know, a lot of like kind of classic rock and Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen. And that is 100% true. Um, cause that's really what I grew up listening to, but who didn't get bit by like sort of a punk bug in like the nineties, like we all did. And we all have common ground in a lot of bands like that, especially, you know, the older bands, like, you know, like the clash and the Ramones and like bands like that. It's, uh, it's, it's, a uh, it's a reference point that we all have. And I think we'll always have that, um, and I think it's good for us. Like we can play a lot of different shows. We can tailor our set list to different shows and different bills that we're on based on like who else we're playing with. And uh, I'm proud of that. 
that we can do that. I revel at being the kind of sore thumb band. I always like being the band that isn't like all the other bands, you know? So it could be, it could be a bill of all punk rock bands and then us. Um, I love that because I feel like it's just all about like the vibe and the energy really. Right. It's not, it's not about, you know, what bands they have on their jacket or how their hair is. It's just about the right energy. If you can bring the right energy, then I think like, you know, I, I think that you'll fit. I think you'll fit. So I always take that as a challenge. I always think that's pretty neat. What makes me most proud about broke, but not broken is that lyrical content is really, um, kind of dark and I think that we turned the album into a, like a very hopeful record based on the subject matter. Like I said, it's kind of a dark record and, you know, it's like a breakup record and it's like, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on, but I think it sounds very hopeful and the songs sound very hopeful. And I'm very proud that we just pulled the whole thing off and made it sound exactly how I wanted it to sound. <laughs> Snuck you in through the basement Well, there's no match for you Push right through Past the guy handing out all the bracelets And you always seemed a little low In the backseat of those cars Falling like dynamos All depending on the radio Tearing through the speakers By your feet in the cold and you feel like we can't go on And you feel like we can't go on Oh, oh Everybody wanna be that song with the top down Everybody wanna be that song till the dark and the clouds all turn around. Everybody wanna play like Carol King. Everybody wanna be like yesterday. Those downtown kids. Up so high, even though you were totally wasted. As you climbed on through that window, you I could see that you were totally faking, and you always seemed a little low. In the backseat of those cars, falling like dynamos, all depending on the radio. Tearing through the speakers by your feet. And you feel like we can't go on And you feel like we can't go on Oh, oh Everybody wanna be that song with the top down Everybody wanna 
John Wayne is a song where for some reason I couldn't get that very easy chord progression at the beginning of the song right. I just like, I kept like kind of like fucking around with it and I couldn't, I could, cause I'm not like a music guy. Like I'm not like a note guy. Like everybody like, oh, instead of playing a, an F sharp fucking bullshit thing, do this instead. Like I'm not that guy. I have to find it on the guitar and I have to like match it to my voice. And then I go, that's cool. And, uh, you know, if a better guitar player was sitting there with the guitar, he would have just pointed it out. Well, just do this. So it took me a little while to get like that, like that one little riff. Cause I had the chords. I just needed that riff. So like that was one. And sometimes I'll get in a room with my drummer and just not have like the beat in my head. Like I have the acoustic thing, but like, I also don't want all of our songs to sound the same. So like, that's where I call in the rhythm section. I'll call in like Timmy and Jeff and be like, Hey, let's get together next week. Cause I have this song that I need your input on. And then they will do their thing. And then all of a sudden the song will like evolve into like what it was. That's the same thing with Carol Kay. Like that chorus of Carol Kay kept me up for fucking weeks. I was sending it to all my friends because like originally it was going into the way I kind of just did it, but slower. And it sounded like a bad fucking country song. So when I first started playing, it was like, I still had the, but then it was like, it was all like, it had a swing. It was like, everybody want to be that song with the top down and the radio up it sounds like a fucking, it could be like a Kenny Chesney song, you know? Some songs take a lot of time and some songs don't. And when I was a kid, I always, you know, I, you know, I'd watch a lot of rock docs and I'd read a lot of books. And I always heard this thing with, that Bob Dylan said. And Bob Dylan used to always say like, you know, man, songs just come out of the air. I just like reach up and I grab it and I play. And I was like, fucking bullshit, Bob. This is fucking, <laughs> you're fucking lying. Like writing songs is not easy. Until I got older and I realized like, well, shit, like there's a song called Me and You on the record, which is on the first side. And it took me as long to write it as it took to play it. Like, it's literally like, how am I feeling today? And it's, it's almost like a diary entry. Like it just, I wrote it out and it was done. And it was like kind of scary because it's like, there's the song, it's done. When you start working on another song, it's frustrating. The feeling is frustrating because you think every song is going to be like, oh, I'm going to be a fucking song guy now. I'm just going to fucking, I'm just going to put me in the Brill building. I'm just going to put songs out now. I'm going to be a songwriter. And then all of a sudden you get to the next one and like your two lines in, you're like, break out the fucking rhyming dictionary. Be like, I need, I need a, I need a three letter word that rhymes with asparagus to put in this song. So it, it's almost the type of thing where it's just like, it keeps you humble. You like, you think you write a good song and then you move on to the next one and you're like, nope. Um, well, I think in, at least for me anyways, all of my, all, all the band songs are written on an acoustic guitar. And I feel like if it can't get past, past that stage, like, like that's sort of the litmus test. Like if you can't get past the acoustic guitar stage, then I don't even bring it to the band. I'm just like, meh. It just, it's like doesn't pass the test. Like you should be able to play it beginning to end on an acoustic guitar. It should have all the parts. It should be a full song. You should have the other ideas in your head and then you bring it to the band. Like that's how I feel. Um, like all the songs on this record can be played just me on an acoustic guitar. Some are slower, some are faster. They may sound a little different, but like they can all be done that way. This time in the studio, I vowed to not just plug in and play. 
I really wanted to pay attention to um, the sort of vibe of all the guitar sounds, the tones of all the guitar sounds. I'm not like a guitar guy, really. Um, Franklin is and Roger LaValle in the studio. Both of them are like guitar nerds and gear nerds. So I really relied on them a lot, meaning like we're going to take this old Fender amp and we're going to put it through this amp with this pedal. And so they really brought brought it. Dark Nights, for instance, has one guitar track. There's one guitar track on that song, one live guitar track. I mean, there's not a lot of songs out there in a full rock band where there's one guitar, um, for better or for worse. <laughs> um I just like the way that one guitar played off because honestly, the bass in that song is to me is like the hero instrument in that song. The bass line that Timmy wrote in that song is so good. And Joe's organs on that is just so strong and like it just pushes the whole song through. It just didn't it just didn't need it. It just didn't need another guitar. Just turn the corner or crash if we're still standing Oh, we're still standing And then she said, why are all your songs not like other songs? Why are all your thoughts not like all my thoughts? Why are all your nights not as dark as all my nights? I'm hoping to hear that song And we listen to the radio Always listen to the radio Hoping to hear that song Hoping to hear that song And she said, why are all your songs Not like other songs Why are all your thoughts Not like all my thoughts why are all your nights not as dark as all my nights? Hoping to hear that song 
Hoping to hear that song But she said Why are all your songs Not like other songs Why are all your thoughts Not like all my thoughts All my thoughts And why are all your nights Not as dark as all my nights And she said Why are all your songs Not like other songs Why are all your thoughts Not like all my thoughts your knives not as sharp as all my knives previously we would go into the studio um starting in 2016 and we would we would go in and we'd cut 10 songs and i'd go and listen to them and they just weren't right they weren't the songs that i wanted to have our band's name on and release it so a year would go by we'd go in again if we didn't get the results that I wanted, that we weren't going to put it out. We were just going to, we were going to scrap it when we were going to do it again. Finally, with a mixture of a relatively new lineup, we went back in. A couple days into it, I knew that these songs weren't going to be scrapped. I knew that these songs were going to be the ones. And then you get really excited and you start like, that's when you start really adding all the bells and whistles on. Whereas before I didn't even get to the bells and whistles part. I just, we just scratched it. But now I feel like the way these songs were coming out, like these songs deserved all the bells and whistles that we put on it. Well, we realized we we should keep them partially because when we went into this, we a went in with um, a slightly different lineup. You know, we had a new drummer, um, we had a keyboard player that had been with the band for a little bit, but never really recorded with us. And the shows that we were playing up until that point were better. They were just getting better. And as a band, we were getting better. So I had high hopes going into these sessions that like we could capture what we do on a stage and put it on a record. And so I, I, I was very um, hopeful that we could do that. And I think, um, yeah, I think everything leading up to that studio time really pointed in the direction of like, this is going to work. Like, we have the songs, we have the right people. There's no reason why this shouldn't work this time. So we have a record that we're proud of that we want to like get out to everybody. And if that means coming to their town and playing it, that's fine. So we're going to do what we can do. Yeah. Mark, it's time to get together with the gentleman we just spoke with and, and the one and only Danny Carney from Danny Carney Chainsaw Symphony and play some Jeopardy. You ready? I'm ready. Welcome back to Jeopardy. I am your host, Trev Allen. Today, our contestants are Michael Kane from Michael Kane in the Morning Afters, 
Mark Lind of Stateline Records, GetPunk.com, and about a dozen other bands that I, uh, I'm not going to run through right now because we don't have that much time. They're all good, though. And Danny Carney of Danny Carney Chainsaw Symphony. Welcome to um, Get Punk Jeopardy, I guess that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> okay, sure. That's what we're going to call it for now. Uh, well, I like how you said that with a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking at you can't tell, but I'm, I was looking directly at you when I said that. All right, so the game is Jeopardy, right? And you should all know this by now, and if you don't... Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. But you uh, contestants must answer the question in question form. Answer. I don't know. How, how do I put the form of answer? Question. Answer in the form of a question. There I you think go. you saw these things. I'm sweating bullets answer. over here, guys. I'm nervous as hell. <laughs> What's that? You're nervous? I'm nervous as hell. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should get all these. Um, so our categories tonight are, uh, anyone want to do a sound effect? Boodaloo. Razor Ramon's mania. By the way, this was made right after Razor Ramon passed away. That's why he got the uh, the nod here. Um, it's just taken us forever to get this together. The second category is close encounters of the third wave ska. Dude, does this look like the clash to you? That guy gives me the CBGBs. And do you even punk, bro? That is the gatekeeper's um, section right there. So... To get things kicked off, we're going to go with Do You Even Punk, Bro? And contestants, I, I ask you, please wait until I have finished with the question to buzz in. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. Do You Even Punk, Bro? for 100. Uh-oh. Oh, everyone's in my way. Hold on. This Midwestern singer has been dubbed the godfather of punk rock and would go as far as self-mutilation while on stage. Mark, uh, Mike Kane. Uh, Iggy Pop. All right, and then I hit the space bar. No, that didn't. Yeah. Who is Iggy Pop? That oh, one, fuck, I didn't say, didn't, I didn't say fucking didn't. who is. So you fuck, will not fuck get me. the answer. Oh, uh, come on. However, you, 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 will, you will pick the next category. I should at least get a fucking warning or some shit. Uh, Why, what did you say? What did you say? He just said his name. He didn't say. Who I didn't just, say who is Iggy Pop. Dude, he just gave us a verbal warning before we started. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Look, you're right. I, I can't. If I let it go with you, I got to let it go with everybody. Alex Trebek is going to be upset with me. We can, no, he's dead. Uh, we can, uh, you know, we'll fucking hunt you. All right. All right, I'll pick the next one. All right, escape to continue. All right, so this is going to be a big issue. For oh, you know what I'm going to do? I don't even need to see your faces. All right. This game is under protest, though, just so you know. <laughs> All right. Here. I thought it was pretty pumped that you didn't follow the rules, Mike. <laughs> that is oh, Thank you. <laughs> Man. That was, yeah, you, must pro- you must punk, bro. <laughs> you, may have, you may have won. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, I'm going to take um, Razor Ramon's Mania for 100, Trev. Before this punk rockette was leaning on gold in New Brunswick, New Jersey, she broke away to New York City. Oh, Mark Lind. Um, who is uh, Sheena? My way off there? Oh, Judy. Is it fucking Judy? I knew it was one of them. No, it was Sheena. You got it. 
all right, good. Thank God. I don't, fucking panicked as soon as it came out. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. All right. You get to pick the next one. Well, let's do the fucking Ramones for 200. This New England native invited the Ramones to their house for dinner, where the band took great liking to uh, to relics of the macabre. Michael Caine. Ooh. Did you just answer that or no? No, I was answering the last one late. Okay. All right. um, no, I'm, not, I, I'm gonna. All right, you're gonna uh, go. Go ahead. Uh, who is who is Stephen King? Hey, you're on the board. All right. Hey. Yeah. Hmm, that makes sense. They did play them at that cemetery. All right. Can I go? Uh, I think that's razor how. That, I think that's how that deal happened. Like they, he went to their dinner. He went to dinner with them, and they decided to do it. I mean, dinner with the Ramones sounds fucking miserable, doesn't it? I mean, like, yeah, yeah but dinner, with, di- <laughs> it dinner really with Stephen, does. Steve, dinner with Stephen King doesn't. I don't know. It sounds like a pretty miserable night all around. <laughs> yeah, just like refried beans and benzo, and like no lamps are on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Stephen King's supposed to be like the scary guy, right? So, like, does he wait until you take a bite of you, like a, a spoonful of your soup, and he's like, "You know what's really in that?" <laughs> <laughs> He, he used okay. to have like a haunted house at his house in Bangor, and uh, really? yeah, and if like if you could get, the, I think the the myth was if you could get through it without being scared, he'd like fucking give you a bunch of money. But then he, I love, but then someone ran him over with a van, and he stopped doing. Yeah, that. someone did. Sure, I did. Yeah. I love the picture. I, I love the picture of him and Tim and Lars. It just makes me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do the same one for three hundred. The Ramones got their name from the alias used to check in hot- into hotels from this rock and roll legend. Mike Keen again. No, wait. Was Danny? The Danny, was that you? Yeah, Danny. Danny got it. Sorry. Who no, is Paul McCartney? You fuckers. I got it first. Who did? Mark? Scroll up. <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> Who is Sir, Sir Paul McCartney? Did you, did you say the Sir? I didn't. Yeah, that's, well, that's all right. We're gonna, judges, we're judges? Gonna let that go. We're gonna, we're... <laughs> all right. All right. I'm gonna have to be, take better attention to this. Michael Kane is the last one on this thing with D. Mike, don't use D again. <laughs> that way, I know it's right. somebody else. All right. All right. Uh, Danny, you're up. Uh, I'll do. Let's do. Uh, dude, does this like the clash to you for four hundred? Oh, I can't say his name. What is it? Simone? Is that his name? Simonon. Simonon? Yeah. Paul Simonon wrote this tune because he was envious of the royalties Joe Strummer and Mick Jones were getting. Mark. It's got to be the gun. Uh, what is the guns of Brixton? Hey. There you go. This is awesome. It does it right automatically. All I got to do is hit the plus sign next to your name. All right, Mark. <laughs> All right, let's go with, uh, dude, does this look like Clash to you for 500? Oh, boy. In 1982, Drew Strummer did not train in vain for this event by drinking 10 pints the night before. Damn. All right, Danny, I think that's the <sighs> What is run a marathon?
What is the Paris Marathon? Yep. That's close enough, right? You don't have to say Paris. So, hey, real quick. Yeah. Uh, So, because I'm doing this on my phone, I'm just listening to the questions, but I'm not reading them. Can you guys read them as they're posted? Yes. Oh, God damn. All right. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to kindly ask everyone to wait until I have read to, no, I mean, to answer. I mean, is there a way just to like read it? Yeah, it's called Can use you a computer. Re- <laughs> sorry, Mike. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. All right. I'll All do right. my I'll do my best here. All right. Uh ba right. We are gonna go. Who got that one? Danny? Uh yes, let's do yeah. let's do Clash for 300. The Clash were the first white band to be painted onto the wall of this famous recording studio in Jamaica. Danny. What is Studio One? No way I can. St- All right. And, uh, and, there's no way I can like re. I, I don't remember the answer, so <laughs> yeah, so I get you. There's no way to steal. Uh, so right. it was. We should. So for the people that might listen to this, oh yeah, uh, the answer is what, what is Black Ark Recording? Yes. Which, what is Black Ark Recording Studios? Thanks. That's the first one we got wrong. So you guys are pretty smart when it comes to this punk rock. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me see if I can. I got to be able to shrink this chat down just a little bit more. I'll just go. Well, you can kind of slide it down um, to the bottom of your screen, Trev, until you need to look at it. And then bring it oh, up. that's right. Because I don't need to, like, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. All right. Uh, Danny, you got that one wrong, but we're going to, let's see. We're going to go with Mike. Pick the next one since Danny got that one wrong. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Wave Ska for 100. This Boston-based ska band left a huge impression on the 1997 Billboard charts with a number one single. (laughs) You know what? I I chimed in before you finished reading it, so really it should go to Danny. It should go to who? To Danny? Yeah, I don't know, but I'm I'm already spanking you guys. I don't know, maybe... Maybe somebody somebody else take that one. That that one I don't, I don't deserve Does that no one. No one want to answer this. All right, all right. I'm gonna, I answered. Mike did Mike my came, thing. Not- you're at two hundred and you wrote ska. So you, <laughs> you just just remember to just remember to phrase your your answer correctly. Uh, who are the mighty mighty Boston's? Hey, all right, uh, all right. Um. Let's do the ska thing again for 200. For 200. Punk Rock Steady is the seventh full-length album studio, or studio album, as well as the first cover album for this Solvang, California ska band. It's going to end up being somebody that fucking something. I don't know. This was the only one I knew. <laughs> Mark. Who are real big fish? <laughs> Okay. Uh, who are Goldfinger? That's why. Danny, want to try? You're just gonna give up. I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted by the fact that somebody is from Soulbang. It's like a weird, like troll town. Yeah. It's like a. <laughs> you guys are familiar with Soulbang? No. No. 
it's a weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's a weird little like gnome city for tourists. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Google it later. You'll be like, what? Uh, Maybe weird. they were all there, like checking out the tourist attractions and like, let's start a sky band, guys. Maybe they're not even <laughs> from there and they just claim that because it's funny. <laughs> anyway, the answer is, oh, what happened? Was that 200? All right, here we yeah. go. Who are Mad Caddies? It's, oh, it's, fuck. It, I haven't played with them. It's legit like the only Scott question I knew because I love that album. It's an awesome, Ooh. it's an awesome cover album. Mm. It's they're all reggae songs. They they turn every punk song into a reggae song. It's pretty it's pretty pretty unique. All right. Uh let's see. No one got that one right. Mark, pick the next one. Uh Razor Ramones Mania for five hundred. Razor Ramones Mania for five hundred. John Cummings and Thomas Ederly. Did I say that right? We're in this close high, enough. We're in this high school garage band prior to the Ramones. Uh, I mean, oh, I read a book about them, but I can't fucking remember. Yeah, I feel like I used to know that. See, I, <laughs> hey, I did my research. I got some fucking good ones on here. Uh, fuck. Mm. No, we're all giving up. It times yeah. out eventually, right? Who were Tangerine Puppets? Oh, that sounds like that Brady Bunch band, the Banana Convention. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Danny, pick the next one. You guys are two, uh, two in a row now. With no one, no. Let's one uh, let's do Razor Ramones Mania four hundred. Let's All right, let's close it close, out. Close this longtime drummer of Blondie lasted only two shows with the Ramones, ma- marking or making his <laughs> tenure with the Ramones the shortest lived. Uh, I I chimed in way too early. I got way too excited. Sorry. Yeah, but the Scott fucking thing makes me laugh every time. <laughs> so yeah, people, to, people can't see it, but no, the, the we have a chat. Yeah, he's just calling. He's just chatting. In order to buzz in, he has to write in something. He's just writing Scott. So we're all typing one letter. This dude's typing Scott every time. All right. So who was it, Mike? Did you get that one first? I I answered way too early. To be fair. All right, Danny. Uh, who is Clem Burke, a.k.a. Elvis Ramon? Elvis. Hey! Dude. Wow. Danny Carney. Damn, dude. That's fucking good. That was good. Have you ever heard Have you ever heard one of the bootlegs of him playing with them? No. I, but yeah, I, they, I, he, did, uh, he did the living room in Providence, and there's a bootleg of it. And it doesn't sound fucking terrible. Like, it sounds like a Ramon show. Like, all accounts by the band was... I don't I don't know that they I don't know what happened. I think I used to know, but if you Google it, if you go on YouTube and listen to it, it sounds like a Ramon show. I think he, I, I, I think I remember he, hearing that, that it was like like the hardest thing he's ever done. Like he was just like, This is insane. Like it's just so intense. Yeah. It's yeah, like, but it does so sound like fast. the Ramones. It's all like he's throwing in like disco beats and shit. Like it sounds like the yeah. Ramones. So yeah. yeah. He's a great drummer. Yeah, he's awesome. All right, Danny. Uh, let's go. Uh, do you even punk bro for 500? This punk rock dance consists of running and stumbling at the same time. Markland. Uh, what is the running man? Eh. That'd be fucked. 
Do you even punk, bro? <laughs> Every time someone gets it wrong, I'm just going to say that. Stumbling, huh? Yeah. We, we giving up? Yeah. What is skanking? Oh. I don't even know what that is. Uh, boo. It's a, isn't, it a ska, isn't that a ska dance? Or a isn't dance? that... Yeah, yeah, isn't that, that like, like the my, only kind that's of like my mom's description of, description of it? <laughs> so, uh, so, they were just running and stumbling all so over. For moving, moving forward, if we ever wanted to do video of this, I there is a way where I can like you know how in Jeopardy like videos will come up and people will, will yeah like we can do that. We have the ability to do that. Move, all right. moving forward. All right, Dude, uh, we can make my mom read questions. It'd be hilarious. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> Mike, Mike Kane, let's um, let's have you pick the next one. Um, nobody's going for CBGBs, huh? Yeah, let, let's let's do that one for for uh, for two for two hundred bucks. October fifteenth, two thousand six, CBGB closed their doors for good after this legendary musician played the final show. Mike Kane, uh, Patty Smith. Who is Patty Smith? What is Patty Smith? All right, you got Fucking it. Patty Smith. You got it. You God damn it. You got it. We got you. I get I get excited. My my yeah, my little heart races that. and I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It's better than All right. it's better than your other little thing getting excited, I guess. Okay. Um 300 bucks for the same the same one there. Say you got to say it. Come on, Mike. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not looking at the board because I have my chat on because I have my phone. Okay. Uh, he would like 300 for the guy that gives him the CBGB. For the, guy the, CB, the CBGB thing for 300. All right, all right, all right. This English rock band played their first ever concert in the U.S. with two late night sets on October 20th, 1978 at New York City's famous CBGB. Hmm. Shit. I should oh. add in like the Jeopardy music to this. But I, I feel like I should know this. I mean, do we lose points if we guess and get it wrong? No. I mean, we. I guess if you want. I don't want. Mike, did you just scott? Did you just scott? Yeah, I scott. Okay. Um, can I say? Um, who is the jam? No. Oh fuck! No, now I know the answer. Can I ska again? No, you can't ska twice. No. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, Mark, Danny. Uh, can I, I mean, say I it after the guesses? But I don't know. I mean, you're not. It's not going to hurt to guess, right? Oh, God damn it! Who was it, Mike? It's the police. Who are the police? <laughs> You were, wow, uh, that's good to know. Yeah. How did you figure that out? Because the second I said the jam, I'm like, fuck you, fucking moron. It's the fucking police. <laughs> yeah, ACAB, though, dude. We don't fucking fuck them. All right, Mark, pick the next one. Um, let's go with um, the uh, Close Encounters of Third Wave Scar 500. What sugary delight has inspired album titles as well as tattoos for the band members of Less Than Jake? Ooh, who was that? Someone just did that with authority. Was that Mark? <laughs> yes. Okay. What is who gives a fuck? 
Uh, is that really your no? answer? No? Oh, I guess I'm wrong. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you still like that thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, Michael Kane Ska. Uh, Pez? Pez? What is Pez candy? What is Pez? Wow. Michael Kane. Uh, side, no- side note, uh, right before I logged on for this, I was listening to Krista Makes uh, podcast, and he's the singer of Less Than Jake. I'm, I couldn't name you one of their songs, but his podcast is really good. It's about songwriting. Right. Yeah, I dig Ooh. that podcast. Yeah, yeah. I was listening I to the, the Bill Stevenson one. Ooh. Oh yeah, I haven't heard that one yet. Drummers put together some pretty fucking awesome labels in his past. I don't know. I don't know any of their songs. I don't. I don't know Less Than I, I, Jake yeah. other than the name. And I think their cover had like a cartoonish looking cover. That's all I know. But their drummer owned uh, Fueled by Ramen, which had like all those huge, huge bands like Fall Out Boy. So he sold that shit. And, Was it Vinny? Yeah, that, that, the, yeah. The Jersey guy? Yeah. Yeah. And he's also really nice, too. Like, I didn't he put, I, I think he ended up putting out that final explosion record. That was Chunksaw. That was oh, oh, okay. Souls. He did, um, he ended up. After he sold Fuel by Ramen, he opened um, that label called Paper and Plastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they're even gone now, but I'm not certain about that. All right, Mike, you got that one correct. You get to. Uh, Is there any more ska left, or is that it? Yeah, there's two skas. Yeah, let's let's, let's do a 300 ska. Close encounters with the third wave ska for 300? Yes. In what year did the ska band Real Big Fish catch and release their mainstream's ear with their album Turn Off the Radio? You guys like how I worded these? Like, I put oh, lot, that is. I put a lot of fucking effort to get like witty with these. I just want you to know that. I have so many mean things to say in response. Like, if I want to let my brain go to those, like, be, be a dickhead. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike. Mike, you have two scars. Is that I took? Ska, ska, yeah. Is that? Yeah, he's got exclamation points too. So those are enthusiastic chimes. Is that for this? I mean, I can. Is I'm, that for this one or, or did? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna take a guess. Okay, yeah, all right. So you were there first. Is that what you're saying? All right. uh, you tell me. You're the you're the fucking host. Well, I, I mean, you two, <laughs> I asked you not to do the same thing twice, so I don't know when because it don't tell me when it came up. Are you? Uh, you don't see the timestamp? I don't see his for the. I see eight thirty two for the first one. I don't see the second one. Oh, okay. it was Mike then. We see it thirty-five, so he, it was Mike that went first. Yeah, that was for the last one. But anyway, no, he, Anyway, he went before Danny. Yeah. All right, go ahead. I'm going to say what is 1998. When was 1996? I was going to say 97. Far, far away. Really? That's weird because I know Boston's was like 97, right? Yeah, let's face it. For some reason, I just thought that was after. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's not. (laughs) All right. Well, sometimes albums get released and then they get big in the wake of somebody else getting catching on. So maybe it was released in '96, but it caught on after the Boston's got big in '97. Yeah, that's probably the case. Yeah. All right. Three Guns and Roses didn't catch on in '87. They went big in '88. So you know. Danny, you uh, since you were the second one to chime in on that one, you can pick the next one. Let's put third wave sky out of its misery. Right. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God. Let's get the fourth wave while we're at it. Yeah. <laughs> Voodoo Glow Skulls had their ska song Shoot the Moon featured in this Pauly Shore film. 
Oh, um. <laughs> that was uh, it. Michael Kane. I'm going to say, what is Biodome? <laughs> <laughs> what is Biodome? Michael Kane takes the lead. All right. Ska. I will, by the way, I'll never put a ska category. In oh, no, you, gotta, you definitely should. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, that took me about an hour and a half to find all those and be like, I don't know. Really? This is, yeah, I was, this game, this thing, this, this board compiled, like, it took me like three hours. So, but I was also scattered brain when I was trying to do it and I was like fucking all over the place. So, all right, Mike, you, you won that one. So, and you're in the lead, pick the next category. All right. Can I do uh CBGBs for, what is it? 500, whatever the, the last one is. 500. On April 7th, 1977, this band played CBGB, making one of the first times a British punk band played on American soil. Mark Lind. Why the Sex Pistols? The Who are fuck? the damned? I'm sorry, Mark. The damned. Um, you guys are mopping up the CBGB's bathroom with me. Have you guys <laughs> ever been too. down there? I was going to say, out of curiosity, of the contestants, who has been there and who has not? I, I have. have. I have not. I have not either. I never I never had the chance to go there. I, I, I saw, I, when I, I went there the once. Off, what happened there? If you went down, you went down the stairs to the men's bathroom, right? Yeah. And you opened it and there were urinals on either side, the right and the left, and there's a sink on the right. And then up on a, like a step, not, not a step, but like two or three feet up in the air. Like a pedestal. Raised above. Was it was like a throne, and that's where the <laughs> toilet was, with nothing around it, no, like nothing to enclose it. So like, Murphy's Law played a. It was stepped. We had to step up to the to it. You had to climb up to it. It wasn't like fucking. <laughs> it was like getting on a stage. It was like a mini stage in the bathroom. So uh, Murphy's Law played there, and Anthony Papalato from In My Eyes went down to see the show, and he got like he ate something bad. He had to use the bathroom. So when Murphy's Law got on stage, they were like, "Yo." We gotta recognize that motherfucker brave enough to take a shit in the CBGB's bathroom. They like called him up on stage and everything, so like the crowd could cheer him on for being the man that would take the fucking dump in that place. Because it, it, man, it was bad. Like it, just look, looking at that floor could like give you like it could start another pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is. Was it was it as as legendary as everyone says it was, or is this just a nostalgia thing because it's gone? No, it was. No, of course, it was. Like, everyone played there, yeah. so it was the place to play in New York, right? Um, mm-hmm. For decades, but um, there's, you know, the T-shirt thing where like everybody wears the T-shirt that's never been there. It's it's just like it's just one of those things. You know, everybody wants a CBGB shirt, a Jack Daniels shirt, and a Motorhead shirt. It's, it's a just, no, it's just a novelty item at this point. Yeah. But the, the place was very popular. It would be like it was like akin to the rat in Boston. Yeah. So who, was it you that had said that before? Like you compared it to like what the rat was in the Boston. I, I want to say Angel Wood said the same thing. That would make sense because they both went back to the seventies and like tons of bands that weren't very popular played there and then got really popular. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they I, would, I, I it never was like had, a never had the pleasure. Never had the pleasure to make it out there. It, I mean, it's not like it sounded good or anything. Right, right. So it was just really like kind of like going there to to go there because it was like making a punk rock pilgrimage. Yeah. Did you? It ever, was cool. Did any any of you guys ever play there? No. Twice. Twice. Dirty Water played there, and then Duffy Boys played there. Nice. 
There's a weird one in Vegas now, right? Oh, is there? Isn't it? Isn't it in like the Newark Airport now? <laughs> I yeah, think it is across the rice, right? Well, I, I think the I think it's in the Newark Airport. Like in the Newark Airport, there's a CBGB. I don't know if it's like a restaurant or something. I don't know. I heard that somewhere. I don't know. I mean, if it's it got anything up, so. to do with the real CBGBs, you don't want to fucking eat anything that came out of that place. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, Mark. Since you're in the, uh, since you're trailing behind, we're gonna let you pick the next one. CBGBs four hundred. For four hundred. Talking Heads first take the first takes the stage at CBGB in this year. Mark Lind. This is a guess, but um. When is 1978? All right, so I don't remember, but Mike did it too. Mike, what's your guess? I say 76. All right. One of you guys. When was 1975? Wow. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize that. But Jesus. David, David Byrne turned 70 today. Side note. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know. It makes sense then that they were there in '75. Yeah. Um, do any of you know the the Jesse Von Kenmore story about when he went and he saw the Talking Heads and Blondie? No. You, what, you, you, Mike or, or Mark? Do you know this now? No. So there's a lost episode no. that I did with. I, there's a lost episode of the Struggling Artist Podcast that I did with Jesse, um, and uh, in that episode he. It because it will never be aired. But um, in that episode, he said that he was. This was back when he was like, I guess, using drugs, and he knew enough people that he got into the Providence Civic Center for this show, and he was backstage, and he walked into this room and saw this ridiculously large suit, and he was like, "Should I be? A, put it on? Should I be a scumbag and steal this?" And he did, <laughs> and he just didn't. He said he just walked out. He was like, "I don't know," <laughs> and it was it was you know the David Byrne fucking giant suit thing. I don't know. I just think that's hilarious. You know, yeah, I think he should have done it because one of the greatest rock stories of all time is that is how the replacements got kicked off Tom Petty's tour because they went on stage wearing his wife's dresses. Yeah. So it wasn't even like, let's steal Tom's shit. Yeah. Let's steal Mrs. Petty's shit and go on stage. <laughs> <laughs> like it, yeah, they got kicked off the tour, but what a story, man. Yeah. All right, Danny Carney, you can pick the next category. Uh, let's do Clash 100. Rolling Stones magazine dubbed this album by the Clash the number one album of the 80s. All right, I don't know. Mike, did you answer this one? or could you... No, I think I think Mark beat me. All right, Mark. All right, Mark. What is London calling? What is London calling? Yes, sir. All right, Mark. See here. I'm gonna try to make a comeback. We're gonna have to go. Uh, are you do you even punk bro for 400? This band from DC became the first East Coast hardcore punk band, which featured some of the fastest tempos in rock music in 1977. Michael Caine. 70 uh, bad brains. What is bad brains? Who are bad brains? What are the bad who, brains? Who are bad brains? All right. Mike's crushing us, but you know what? I kind of expected that. You know what? And I he was, me neither. I'm he not. Was so far behind. 
I didn't. Think I don't think you realize how much you're like a fucking encyclopedia. Yeah. Ugh. All right, Mike. Michael Kane. Uh, hold on, I gotta go back and look at the board here. Uh, let's do the CBGB for a uh, hundred bucks there. This singer, manager, and businessman opened CBGB with a vision of country music bands playing there in 1973. Was that you, Mark? Who is Hilly Crystal? Uh-huh. Who is Hilly Crystal? Would have been shameful. <laughs> um, let's go. Do you even punk bro for three hundred? This punk rocker was given her first guitar at the age of thirteen when her guitar teacher insisted on teaching her folk songs. She quit taking lessons and became teaching herself. In two thousand seven, the Rolling Stone magazine named this queen one of the top one hundred rock and roll guitarists of all time. Oh boy, everyone's answering. All right, ah. Uh, Mark, was that your Q, Q, or did you? I'm always Q. But Q... <laughs> right, so I have two Qs in a row from you. Is this one of them for this? Yes? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, I forget what I was going to say. Who is Joan Jett? Who is Joan Jett? I love it because Ted Nugent made a big fucking stink about that this week. Really? Yeah. It was all over Blevermouth, and then she fired back at him and shit. She, he said she didn't belong on any top 100 list of best guitarists, which, and she said, well, he's right. But he's implying instead that he's the one that belongs on there. He does not either. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty good response. Good. Good. Uh, all right, Mark, you're up. Do you even punk bro 200? This underground feminist punk movement that began during the early 1990s with the United States has expanded to a, to at least 26 other countries. That was me. Was that you again, Mark? Yeah. All right. Um, what is Riot Crow? Yes. I feel like there's a lag in this. In what? So, like... When the questions are being answered, like, like people are answering them, but I'm still hearing the question. In the chat? Oh, maybe I, maybe I jumped the gun? No, I don't know. Maybe you weren't. I'm just wondering if there's, like, a lag. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Okay, whatever. All right, the last one, Mark. Is well, let's not do that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What musical influence of Joe Strummer's did he get his nickname from prior to the clash? Danny, was that you? Uh, yeah. Or, or hold on. No, it might have been Mike. Was it you, Mike? I didn't answer. I didn't answer. Right, Mike's got scars. What, what is going on? What is going on? <laughs> but I didn't answer, though. Uh, that was the last one. All right. All right. All right, Danny. That's you. Uh, who is Woody Guthrie? Who is Woody Guthrie? Yeah. Wow. This was a close battle, gentlemen. This was a close battle, but we do have one winner, and his name is Michael Kane. Michael Kane, you are the winner of Get Punk Jeopardy. Oh, thanks. You win. You win the adoration and respect of literally handfuls of people. <laughs> I do. I do have one note for your research department, Trev. Yeah. 
London Calling came out in 1979. 79. That's right. Yep. But it was, it was, uh, I, I know that. And I checked that and it was, they still called it the punk rock album of the 80s. Which is a very Rolling Stone thing to do. <laughs> Which is also funny because 1980 was the last year of the 70s. But that's an argument for another day, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was pondering that. I'm like, did they really say cut the crap was the... No, well, look, I, I had that moment where I was like, combat rock, but I was like, there's only three good songs on combat rock. That can't be true. Yeah. It the, reason be. That they, the reason they said that is because it was released on December 14, 1979. Ah. So they said that it kicked off the, the 80s. Mm. Ah. I don't know. My OCD does not allow that to happen. <laughs> I didn't. Even, I knew that that's what the answer was, but I still felt weird about saying it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me. Let me. Uh, let me. Let me say the. All right. Thank you, contestants, for um, the first get punk Jeopardy. I don't know what we're calling this, Mark. We're gonna have to work on that part, but we'll figure that shit out. Yeah, we'll figure that out on the fly, um, gentlemen. Plug your shit. Where can we find your music? Uh, Danny Carney Chainsaw Symphony. Google it. It's on Bandcamp and all the things. Uh, and uh, I got a store on the internet somewhere where you can buy stuff. Can't, I don't know what the I don't know what it is though. I don't know what the the website is. Somewhere. Michael Kane. Uh. Uh. I don't. Uh, no big news. For wherever. You? No, nothing just happened in your. <laughs> Wherever people go to do that thing, like Mike Game in the Morning After, Mike Game in the Morning After is on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and yeah, wherever you would get your records. We have a new record called Broke But Not Broken that came out wow, like a month and a half ago. Holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, check it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the 25th anniversary of fucking No Getting Out. And by the time this thing gets heard by anybody, I think that shit will finally be on Spotify. I've been waiting like three weeks for it to appear. Really? Apparently, apparently it's like in queue because I, I missed identifying one of them as having um, like swears in it. Because I fucking didn't remember. This is 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, picked, I clicked the songs off that I could remember it. And then put the you know, playlist friggin' things, even... I haven't played money of those in 20 years. Uh, how come it wasn't on? Was it like a rights thing or, or just, just cause or. So I, I think, I don't think it ever, um, that's, it, it was out digitally at one point, but that predated Spotify as far as I know. Like it was just iTunes or whatever. Yeah. And I, and, um, iTunes already has it up there, but Spotify <laughs> is like the last bastion of not fucking putting it up there. Um, I like, so I like I had, that. I see what you did there. Thank you. Um, so we ran, I got, we I got my it. copy from, I got my copy from LimeWire. I think, if I remember correctly, you know, or Kazaa. The remastering of it makes it sound fucking bigger than it was, but um, you know, like it bring remaster. What they can do today with remastering really can like mm. enhance things that weren't even. I mean, the nineties wasn't even that long ago. Jim Siegel could really make a crazy recording of the, uh, the outpost but when that dude remastered dark days it made it sound even better but um this one was made with brian mcturner and salad days way before he ended up being like the guy the go-to guy for like all those jade tree bands and hot water music fail all those bands go in the quarter prime mcturner we were one of his very first at no getting out and i'm sure he is in no rush to tell anybody <laughs> about his recording with the talking boys because that was a fucking disastrous session but 
Um, anyway, oi to the world. Nope, should be out sometime soon. Wow. Well, nice. Th- that's it for this, I guess. What about you, Trev? What's that? Uh, oh, I'm Trev. Um, I struggle, and uh, <laughs> I got a podcast. We all, we all do. Yeah, yeah. struggling artist podcast. <clears throat> um, and you know, co-hosts of uh, the Get Punk podcast with Mark Lind. This is the, like I said, the first time we're doing this for the game. So, bear with us. It will get, uh, it'll get fleshed out a little bit, a little bit better, a little more smoother next time around. I'm sure. Yeah, dude, it's like the first show with the band. Everybody sucks that first show, you're right? Yeah, you, you, know? yeah you, you can go back to like, you know, and listen to stuff and yeah, you see it gradually gets better. Like, so. uh, you see a band play that first show and they're good, you see them six months later and you're like, wow, they really sucked that first show. <laughs> if you made it to the end of the podcast, then I applaud you. Um, I, I appreciate that. And uh, Mark appreciates that as well. Moving forward, the podcast should be right around an hour. It is a monthly podcast, so maybe maybe an hour and a half is what you guys want. Let us know. Hit us up. Uh, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think. I want to thank Chris Chavez for doing the news. I want to thank Michael Kane for being the interviewer, or interviewee, rather. I want to thank Danny Carney for jumping on Jeopardy. Um, and I want to thank the Art Thieves for their song off of Russian Rats. It's called The Untouchables. That's the song you've been hearing throughout the episode. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to Mark for wanting to do this podcast and wanting me involved. Um, I appreciate that. Moving forward, the credits will probably sound a little bit different. Hey, was the first, this is the first episode. Give us, you know, give us a break. All right? Um... That's it. That's the show. We'll uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys at Get Punk in, in September. You could be the riot, you could be the flame, or you could be the crew inside of me. You could be the cause, or you could be the change, or you could be a sculpture on display.